Hey, welcome back to the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and we are already back with episode 68. So kicking off this episode, what is with the obsession with the caliber of goaltending in Montreal? What is the Carter Hart obsession? Oh, we got to get Carter Hart. We got to get Carter Hart. No, we don't. First of all, Hart is not the answer, even remotely, when it comes to goaltending in Montreal. He's unproven. Yeah, was he drafted in the first three rounds? Sure he was. Did he have a good season in Philadelphia at one time? Yes, but he has been very very inconsistent and if that's a concern that people have with goaltender Sam Montembeau you're gonna have a bigger problem regarding goaltender Carter Hart. Sam Montembeau has been better he's been more consistent he was in the top 12 of last year Sam Montembeau is a better goaltender I don't get it I don't know why people also want to overpay for a goaltender such as Carter Hart that's another one I don't get everybody is at one point on board with the fact of, yes, Montreal is getting rid of those just bloated, deadweight contracts that take up valuable cap space, and then they want to sign players. Whether it be Carter Hart, whether it be Pierre-Luc Dubois, whether it be Alexei Lafreniere, they want to sign all these players to like four and five year, five plus million dollar contracts. Are you nuts? I mean, you got to have the money to spend for your in-house top-level talent. Who would that be? Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, and the many, many others that are coming along like Owen Beck, Sean Farrow, Logan Mylou, David Reinbacher. You're going to have a lot of talented people. I think the number one reason most people realize they're not a general manager is cap management skills. And that brings me to... Another issue that we'll get into is with the questioning of the Montreal management, but for now, we're going to stay with goaltending. So let's just play this bizarre warped theory out for a sec that Carter Hart somehow needs to be brought to Montreal. Well, unless Philadelphia eats, I don't know, 75% of his current contract that he's way overpaid with, and Montreal can get him for maybe the addition of sending a 5th, 6th, or 7th round pick, okay, it's something to entertain. But again, I still question the concept of, is Carter Hart a better goaltender than Sam Montembeau? And he's not. He's not even a better backup than what you currently have in Jake Allen. Jake Allen is an extraordinarily team guy, leader in the locker room. His main problem has been health. And God knows that's been a problem across the board on the roster, which hopefully ends in the 2023-2024 season. Because the Canadians, as everybody already knows, has had two back-to-back injury seasons unimaginable nobody could have predicted the injury situation that that franchise has had the last two consecutive seasons and who has also gone on to set the nhl record of most man games lost in a season both in the last two seasons that's not a record you normally want to say i'm proud of i want to set that record not really you need your players to be healthy and they have made in addition to a lot of roster changes the number one change i thought they needed to make this offseason and they have certainly addressed is they have brought on new trainers they have brought on new physicians previous people have gone separate ways now with that said i want to give a tremendous tremendous send-off to 
Dr. David Mulder, who was with the organization for 60 years. He was not part of that issue, but he has retired and has spent 60 phenomenal years with the greatest organization in pro sports. So hats off to Dr. David Mulder. Next up this week is the ridiculous questioning, if not outright interrogation tactics regarding the 15 pounds gained by First round pick, fifth overall in the 2023 draft, defenseman David Reinbacher. What's the problem with 15 pounds? Do we have people that think they need to tell people how they should or shouldn't gain or lose weight? Not really in the purview of anybody, nor is it anybody's business, nor is it anybody's ability to question. The kid's 18 years old. He's a pro athlete. He's growing. He's adding muscle. Contrary to the general belief of society, nobody knows everything. Nobody knows the intricacies of what these athletes go through, what type of program they're on, who's working with them, who's dictating or putting them on or recommending that program. That is all knowledge that nobody has outside the athlete, the organization, and the trainers. We can put to bed that ridiculous comments of, oh my God, he's gained 18 pounds. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. How about instead of he's going to be slower, he might not be physically fit. How about it's all muscle? How about he's 18 and growing? How about he's on a specific program to target either physical needs, game attributes, or abilities overall? How about that being the answer? And why wasn't that the natural go-to scenario rather than, oh my God, he's gained 15 pounds. I I think we need to know everything about it. You don't. But this interrogation tactic that's becoming more and more common, just like it was to attack him when he was first drafted on the internet, and people have gone after other prospects like Logan Mylou, there's this apparently moronic God complex issue out there. I don't know where that's coming from. That better end really, really soon soon because it's making a lot of people look really really arrogant and very ignorant as well there's just a list of bizarre things to go over this week and continuing on with bizarre and interesting topics is the apparent realization for many who continue to believe that somehow carrie price would return to the ice and play again for the montreal canadians again i don't know if a lot of people ignored what he said on that last game that he played in florida where the canadians one ten to 2 and I keep coming back to this. He said, if this was my last game, I am at peace. I'm okay with everything. But he told you at that point, he's done. Finally, just recently in an interview, he said he's able to walk around normally. He's able to walk up and down stairs. He's able to play catch basketball with his kids and that is the most important thing for Carey Price is that he can function normally with his family. Yeah, I would love to have him back on the ice. I would love to see him return. But if somebody says to me, well, would you like to see him return more or be able to function and live normally with his family? I'm sorry, functionally live normally with his family is going to win out every time. Like every athlete, they owe fans and the rest of society nothing. This you owe us everything, including your life and play at the risk of your own health mentality that's out there is just obscenely incompetent. But I don't know if there was a lot of believers in the Wizard of Oz where Dorothy clicks her heels three times and everything's perfect and returns to normal or she got herself out of the tornado that was coming right straight for her. That philosophy isn't going to work with Carrie Price. Carrie Price is done. He gave 
15 all-out 100% years. He was a heck of a goaltender. He's played more games than any other Montreal Canadian goaltender. He has probably been on the most abysmal rosters of a great career that a goaltender has been on. Most goaltenders have far more support than Carey Price had during his career. And the problem is, also at some point during his career, like Brendan Gallagher's career and like other players' careers there, injuries were not paid attention to in the proper way. Whether it was the athletes trying to hide him because they wanted to play every minute they possibly can in the game that they love and trained for their entire life, or there were missteps by medical and training personnel. But it shortened their careers either way. But Carey Price is done. If Montreal's lucky, Carey Price will become something similar to what Paul Byron did this week, who wrote the most amazing open letter for the organization and to the fans and to the game that has probably likely been written, maybe with a few competitions out there. Not many. But Carey Price, if the organization's lucky and the fans are lucky, may return in a role like that. As he's already moved back to Western Canada, may end up being a goaltending scout for the Western Hockey League for the Montreal Canadian scouting staff, may end up being an extra goaltending coach for the Montreal Canadiens. If one of those three things happen, that will be fantastic for the organization. Just like Paul Byron is a current, just-retired player, he knows the modern game. He can speak to the modern player. Carey Price will be able to do that exact same thing in goaltending and pass along right now current valuable information to a prospect, to a starting goaltender, to a backup, whoever that is. And they will all be able to do the same thing that I believe the greatest coach in the NHL can do right now in Martin St. Louis, and that's relate to, speak to, and directly affect positively the players for the organization. I still laugh at all the people when Martin St. Louis was named as head coach. And everybody's like, oh my God, he's got no head coaching experience. Here we go again. A rookie's going to deal with more than he could possibly handle. He's going to fail. And he has basically already become the best coach in the league. That is the greatest laugh that I have with so many people that interject or have issues with things that they have no idea about the person's ability. And he is just as phenomenal and will continue to be as phenomenal of a coach as he was an MVP Stanley Cup champion player. He's just that good, period. But back to Carey Price, even if people have forgotten that interview live at the end of that 10-2 to game against the Florida Panthers, think about what he recently said. Barring a miracle, I'm not expecting to come back. So he's done. People need to move on. Even if he never got injured, every athlete, whether a memorable, record-setting, generational athlete to the most common, hard-working, blue-collar athlete. Everybody's career begins, everybody's career ends, eventually. I don't know if people thought somehow he was going to live on forever and never retire, but you got to move on. You got to move on to the Jakob Dabishes. You got to move on to the Emmett Crotours, the Jacob Fowlers. They're all coming. You got to look to those guys. You got to look forward to them and see what they can do and start looking forward to wondering who's going to be the next Montreal goaltender. That being said, and there will be one sometime, but who that will be and how quickly they'll become that must be allowed to take place at its own time and pace by the player. People cannot either ascend or sit there and determine, well, you should have already been that great player. That's not a privilege people have. They believe they do. 
but they don't. And like I said, there's a lot of bizarre topics. Here's the next one. People are like, well, you know, one of the four or five rookie defensemen from last year are probably going to have to be sent down to the AHL this year. Why? Somebody explain the reasoning to that to me. Arbor Jacki, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic all came in last year. Harris, Gooley, Jacki as Montreal internal organizational prospects. Jonathan Kovacevic, picked up in the waiver wire from the Winnipeg Jets, all came in and not just played on four roster spots, won them. They claimed their roster spots. Jonathan Kovacevic, talking about the right side of the defense for a moment, was by far the best right-handed defenseman in Montreal last year, period. problem that you have right now is you have not only Arbor Jacki, Caden Cooley, Jordan Harris on the left, you also have Mike Matheson, who had a career best year last year in his first season with Montreal, which again shows the incredible ability of the Montreal management to recognize talent, maneuver and trade for talent, dispatch overbloated contracts. They're just an amazing group of people, but let's not get sidetracked from the players we're talking about. So now, because there's also David Savard, Chris Weidman, Gustav Lindstrom, and others competing, well, you know, one of these guys are probably going to have to go down in the AHL. No, they don't. Why would anybody ruin the careers? of Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, or Jonathan Kovacevic. Those four are in place. And to go along with that, you have new alternate captain, Mike Matheson, who honestly is the pulse of the defense right now. He's the veteran, quote-unquote, at 28 years old. Everybody else gets to fight for those last spot. And most likely, that last spot will go to David Savard, who also is a longtime NHLer, veteran player, phenomenal influence to younger players, can teach them what he's learned over the years. Sorry, Gustav Lindstrom, probably going to be an AHLer, at least for this year, if not longer, may end up either walking away as a free agent or being packaged and traded. Yeah, he's a good defenseman, but unless something happens to David Savard, injury-wise, probably not going to be on the roster. Chris Weidman already has back injury, but five of the six defensive spots must be held by and taken by Arbor Jacki, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Mike Matheson, and Jonathan Kovacevic. And the sixth at this point, like I said, is David Savard. But nobody needs to be sent down to the AHL that made that team last year as a rookie defensively. That would just destroy their career. Not to mention the fact Laval already has a ton of defensive prospects down there. And quite honestly, there isn't any more room in Laval than there is in Montreal right now because the organization has that much talent. Now let's jump over to the Montreal offense for a second as the obsession with wanting to create who's going to play with who on what lines, what number line they're going to be, who's going to be the newly acquired players playing with which established players on the Montreal roster. I'm just going to put four line combinations together here because a lot of people apparently also in their desire to question people's decisions for some reason are already going, well, where's Alex Newhook going to play? Alex Newhook can play wing or center. He can play all three positions up front. He's a very, very good but untapped talent. So, line one. Alex Newhook on the right wing. Nick Suzuki at center. Cole Caulfield on the left. After that, it becomes interesting. Not because there's not lines that are very easy to put together, but the question is, 
what players offset each other's talents. Now, there's been a lot of discussion over the last couple of seasons of trading Josh Anderson. For the sake of this discussion, let's say he's there at the beginning of the season. Whether he gets traded at the deadline, whether he gets traded at some other point, let's just, for now, he is on the NHL roster for the Montreal Canadiens. So with that, Josh Anderson at right wing on the second line, Kirby Doc at center. I know there's a lot of people that want to put Doc back with Caulfield and Suzuki. I totally disagree with that. He was acquired to be that rangy center that Montreal has been looking for who stands at least six foot three plus Doc is six four and is 215 pounds plus and Doc is since they've tried to draft that by drafting Doug Wickenheiser in the 1980 NHL draft they've been looking for that prototype of center who's big and rangy so Doc belongs at center not on the wings with Suzuki or Caulfield. He's a center. Yep, he plays well with them. Yep, he likes playing with that kind of talent, but he needs to evolve his own line. So Josh Anderson on the right wing, Kirby Dock at center, and here's one that people are going to go, I don't think he's ready for this. Well, he is, and that's Yuriv Slavkovsky. And what's great about that line is all three of those guys can control the ice. All three of those guys are 6'3 or 6'4, 215 pounds plus. They're heavy, they're hard working they're hard checking they've got great shots doc can pass doc can score slavkowski can shoot from a distance he can work in close he's got great hands as does josh anderson all three have exceptional skating and speed and agility think of that line for a second two of the guys are six foot four one of the guys is really close if not at six foot three all of them are approaching 220 plus two of them are josh anderson and and Yaroslavkowski already weigh more than 220 pounds. That should be a phenomenal second line. Now, the third line is also one of the most interesting because you can go a couple of different routes. The third line is going to consist of Brendan Gallagher at right wing, Sean Monaghan at center, and here's the options. Either Raphael Harvey-Pernard at left wing or Jake Evans. It depends on which way you want to go. Raphael Harvey-Pernard certainly, without question last year, earned a top nine forward position and arguably even earned a place in the top six or on the top line when he played with Suzuki and Caulfield. Putting him with talent, his tenacity, checking ability, and scoring touch is a perfect definition of the kind of player that most people want. That being said, unfortunately, there's six top forwards right now. So durability-wise, though, it might be beneficial for him to be on a third line where he can stay more fresh, less physically attacked or impacted, and he can last longer. He's been called the Brendan Gallagher 2.0. Now, the argument for Jake Evans is Jake Evans and Brendan Gallagher obviously have been on the team for several seasons together. They're very comfortable playing on a line together. They both know, as Jake Evans has trained with Sean Monaghan for many years, and Brendan Gallagher, of course, in addition to playing on the same team with Jake Evans, knows Sean Monaghan and has met him. So there's chemistry and a lot of it. It just depends on which way you want to go. Now, the advantage of putting Pinard on that line is Jake Evans also being a center or a winger, like Sean Monaghan can be, is then you can then shift Jake Evans 
to the fourth line center position, which he seemed to really excel at last year. He's a good defensive forward, doesn't have the offensive potential that Rafael Harvey Pernard does, so that puts some offense on that third line. And then you can match up Jake Evans on the fourth line with Michael Pozzetta at left wing. And then on the right-hand side is where you can let Christian Dvorak, Joel Armia, or the newly acquired Tanner Pearson. And you can let those guys fight it out. But Rafael Harvey Pernard would be my choice on the third line leaving those four other players to fight it out. Now, unfortunately, especially with the addition of Tanner Pearson this week, which we'll get to that trade in a little bit, you also have Emil Heinemann, Owen Beck, and Sean Farrell, and Jesse Yolanda, all of which have shown well so far in rookie and development camps and probably likely will also play out very well in the training camp. Unfortunately, they're fighting for roster spots that don't exist right now. And the issue now that you have brought in Tanner Pearson, you now have 49 players signed. The NHL only allows 50 contracts and in one organization at any given time. So you can't just randomly keep signing people. Now, the good news for the younger players that are continuing to make inroads and fight for roster spots and taking them is that it sets up Montreal at this point now for a very interesting season as last year did regarding the trading deadline because now you've got all kinds of people that already have a high value in Sean Monaghan is a great trade bargaining chip provided he can stay healthy this year which he didn't last year and that's why he's back if Tanner Pearson is healthy he'll be another player that teams will look to and look for the services of towards the end of the year for a playoff run. So that can net Montreal even more high draft capital. When I say high draft capital, we're talking first, second, or third round picks. So that can open up those. Montreal with Joel Armia could do anything for him, send him down to the AHL, but it's really hard to do that with a $3.4 million contract at the AHL level. Not that it's a difficult process to do, it's hard to eat that amount of money for that. They could let him play in Europe, could be another option. They could trade him to somebody during the playoffs because he is a good fourth line winger. He's a physical six foot three 212 to 218 pound player that can play it both ways and on occasion offensively you're like wow where's that player been so in a playoff run he might net montreal maybe not a great draft pick but hey any draft capital is better than no draft capital and before we jump back into goaltending because that was the main topic of this particular episode christian dvorak is the last offensive player i want to talk about He's currently going to be out for the first month of the season. However, if he's back in November, can have a better than 50% win percentage on faceoffs, he too is yet another player that Montreal can leverage and trade to that playoff running team near the trade deadline or right at it that can again net Montreal another first or second round pick. Now, back to goaltending. We talked about the Carter Hart issue earlier. Montreal right now has traded goaltender Casey DeSmith to the Vancouver Canucks for forward Tanner Pearson and a third round pick in the 2025 draft, continuing to load up the organization with draft capital. I think that personally was the real accomplishment of that trade. And I think Montreal had to take on Tanner Pearson's contract in order to get a third round pick because it alleviated some cap issues for the Vancouver 
Vancouver Canucks. So it cleared up a little bit of the issue of, oh my God, Montreal's got four goaltenders. There's no way they're going to be able to carry four goaltenders. Who said they were going to carry four goaltenders? But you have to admire the class acts in the Jeff Petrie trade and now Casey DeSmith trades. General manager Kent Hughes sat down or had a phone call with both and said, we're going to trade you out of the organization. We're going to send you, in Jeff Petrie's case, back to the United States, which is where he wanted to go. Would have really loved to go to Michigan, and that's what Montreal was able to pull off by sending him to Detroit. And Casey DeSmith didn't want to play in Montreal. Whether that was for language reasons, family comfort, whether he just didn't see a role for himself because they already have Sam Montembeau, Jake Allen, and Caden Primo, but he was traded. So now, where does that leave Montreal goaltending? For the regular season. You have a couple of options. The most likely scenario is going to be Sam Montebeau again as starter. Jake Allen is the backup, although Jake Allen's going to want to play more than backup games. I think his health will largely determine how his season plays out. And again, I believe he will be a very sought-after candidate as the trading deadline for the 2023-2024 season gets closer and closer to being traded to another team. In Caden Primo's case, can he get by the waiver wire? A lot of people seem to think he'll pass the waiver wire really easily. I don't think so. I think there's a 50-50 chance he gets picked up by another team. If he doesn't, though, I think he'll be the backup in Montreal before the end of the year. If Montreal believes he'll get picked up, I say they trade him before the regular season starts, and he goes, my guess, to either the Philadelphia Flyers or likely the New Jersey Devils. He's originally from the New Jersey area. His uncle and father, of course, played for the Flyers, as we've talked about in previous episodes, and I think one of those two teams will be able to provide Montreal more compensation than they would to other teams as well. So now that leaves the prospects in the organization. You have Dabish, who after two back-to-back phenomenal years at Ohio State in the NCAA is now going to be the starting goaltender in Laval. You have Emmett Couture, who has been playing for the Waterloo Blackhawks of the United States Hockey League. He's going to begin his NCAA career this year. You have Jacob Fowler, who played in the U.S. Development Program last year. Had kind of a so-so first half, really turned it on and lit it up in the second half and elevated it to even another level and being named MVP in the playoffs. And he's going to start his first college season at Boston College with a loaded roster at Boston College. Many of the top seven picks of this year's draft is going to be on that team next year with him at Boston College. You also have somebody that shouldn't be forgotten about because A, he was a later pick in the fifth round, and he's a European player, and that's goalie prospect of Genny Vulican. He has been exceptional at every level he's played at. He has never looked out of place. He's a tall kid at six foot three. He's only 168 pounds right now. So yes, he has a lot of muscle to put on, but he's 18 years old. He was just drafted this year in 2023 in the fifth round. And let's not forget Quentin Miller. Now, Quentin Miller is an interesting prospect for a couple of different reasons. He was part of the Quebec Remparts Memorial Cup Championship roster in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year, but he was the backup. He was overshadowed by the existing starter. He could turn out to be a total diamond in the rough. You don't know, and he's going to be the starter next year. And of course, unfortunately for him, being a local kid is going to have all the pressure put on him of, oh my God, we've got the next Patrick Waugh. 
No, you don't. If he turned out to be that, great, but there are no guarantees. And how about these kids in the goaltending prospect position getting the exact same thing that everybody else defensively and offensively should be getting is a chance to show their abilities grow and develop before these ridiculous next great one theories are applied to them and destroy their careers because of unnecessary pressure and stupidity. But enough with the Carter Hart issues. You've got all these prospects in your organization already. And everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, these guys that were, you know, third to fifth round picks. Okay, you don't have to be a first or second round pick as a goaltender to have an exceptional NHL career. Hmm. Who could we use an example to make that point clearly? I know. How about Henrik Lundqvist, who was a seventh round pick with the New York Rangers, who went on to become a cornerstone of the franchise and a Stanley Cup winning goaltender and was a seventh round pick. He falls into that same mold that Detroit did for years with players like Henrik Zetterberg, with Sergei Fedorov, with Pavel Datsuk, all of which were late draft picks in their drafts. People got to get over this. Oh, if you're not first or second round, you don't stand a chance. There's a lot of players, a lot of players in the NHL from later rounds. And let's just think of Montreal recently for a second. Brendan Gallagher was a fifth round pick in his draft. Joshua Roy, everybody's high on that prospect. He was a fifth round pick. Raphael Harvey Pernard was a seventh round pick. Xavier Simino was a seventh round pick. Maybe a sixth. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that. But they're all late round picks. Arbor Jackeye was a walk-on both in the OHL and in the NHL. He wasn't even drafted. He is likely a cornerstone player of that team's future. And I hope they're smart enough to keep him. And I think they are because they also drafted his brother Florian in 2023 in the fourth round. So they know the kind of player they're getting. They know the commitment to excellence. They're difference makers. And the one thing that all those players have is a I'm going to prove you wrong attitude, just like the head coach, Martin St. Louis and Paul Byron did, who were respectively in St. Louis' case, not drafted at all, and in Paul Byron's case, a sixth round draft pick. They took that as a challenge going, okay, you've got that tiny bit of confidence in me, I'm going to show you wrong, and went on to have exceptional NHL careers. What's with the, oh, we got to have a first round pick, franchise goaltender. Franchise goaltenders come out of any round, and goaltenders, as everybody knows develop longer or take longer to develop than a lot of other positions do. So any kind of judgment passed on these prospects in the Canadian's goaltending pool would be irrelevant. And that's putting it kindly because there's no sample size to make that judgment with. Nobody has seen them. A lot of them were just drafted this year. Others have been playing in the NCAA or USHL levels and have not been seen by a lot of people. So these people that want to write them off automatically going, oh, well, none of these guys are going to amount to anything. How do you actually know that? And the fact is, nobody does it has to play out you have to see their development as not only as they go through their college international and junior careers but how they develop within the organization and how montreal brings them along who now by the way has one of the best development staffs in the league that they haven't had since their days with claude ruel scotty bowman and the nova scotia voyagers it's been
been that long since they've consistently had that kind of development within the organization. So contrary to the negative people or naysayers out there, I'm really looking forward to the season. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the players continue to develop, how cohesion and chemistry continues to build on the team. I'm looking forward to see how Martin St. Louis brings them along, the line combination that he makes. I'm thinking a lot of players are going to take a huge step this year. I wouldn't put it past Cole Caulfield to hit 50 goals this year. I wouldn't put it past Yuri Slavkovsky to really become a top six player for the organization this year. And that's not to put a lot of pressure on him. I think he's got that skill set to be able to pull that off. I think he's the prototypical power forward. I think he's got a lot of offensive skills. I think he's going to have more consistent line mates and ice time this year, which will help him tremendously in his development, not to mention all the things he's been working on in the offseason. I think Kirby Doc is going to take a huge step forward this year. He already took one last year. Nick Suzuki will continue to excel and increase his offensive production by having consistent line mates all year. But the biggest issues this year, I think, is going to be health. And I think the Canadians have finally gotten over the last two years of just unbelievable injuries. And I think they're going to have a really, really healthy year with their new training staff. And they certainly have taken training and nutrition in a completely new direction. With that, I'm your host, Steven Stiles. Thanks for tuning into episode 68. We will be back, and before you know it, the regular season will be underway, and the training camps will even be behind us. But there is still all of those things to talk about until the regular season gets underway. Thanks again.